0: This is Patricia, and this is Christina, and this is What They're Worth, a podcast exposing the truths of everyday people who are willing to enter the beautiful mess of foster care and adoption. We're glad you're here. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 25, and I am super excited for this episode. Me too. <laughs> And we have a very special (laughs) guest with us today who I'm so glad reached out to us on Instagram. And I think anybody listening is going to learn a ton. So, our guest today is Natalie. She is a specialist, I'm going to call her, Mm -hmm. on fetal alcohol syndrome disorder. And she is an adoptive mom of two kids, domestic adoptions. She homeschools them, and she's from North Carolina. And she's
1: which is awesome. As, which is, uh, <laughs> I should hang around you both more often. So first, so first of all, I'm not a specialist. I'm a parent advocate and there's a huge, huge diff. Thank you. huge oh, diff As my son would say, just because um, <laughs> I became an advocate, I say by accident through, through our family's journey. Um, and then just to, just to correct you, um, it's fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Cause it's a spectrum. You said fetal alcohol syndrome, disorder, what did I say? which is one. No, 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 no. It's okay. That's okay. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> is that common now for people to say that? Because I think that is why because that's what people most oh. associate with fetal alcohol exposure is the syndrome, mm. and it was diagnosed. The the, the FAS term, F- fetal alcohol syndrome, was di- you know the first term came up in I believe it was 1970. Um, however. Um, We learned, the community learned that it really is a spectrum disorder because we know that no amount of alcohol is safe. So even that one glass of wine before you realized you were pregnant, it's not. Any alcohol is, is unsafe to an unborn child. So fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And for all you, all you social workers and everybody out there, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are in the DSM-5. There are actually several diagnoses that are in the DSM-5 um, and uh, they are official diagnoses and, and they have specific criteria, um, just like fetal alcohol syndrome, which is considered to be one of the more heavily impacted.
0: The DSM-5
1: thing is the big book? The DSM-5. Okay. Yep. It's, it's what everybody no, uses in mental
0: health. I know this y'all, so don't judge me. But is
1: syndrome and spectrum are both in the DSM-5? Yes. Yes. But syndrome is under spectrum. Because fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a spectrum. So kind of like if you think about it like autism. So autism Mm. spectrum disorder, Asperger's is under that. You know, autism is under that. Um, There's different types. So it's the same thing with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Because it's a brain-based disorder and it affects, you know, individuals in a different way. it's It's fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. FASD is what, you know, the community, what the health community, what, you know, Parents, what we know is, I you know, you can't see me out there in podcast land, but I'm making a like uh-huh. an umbrella sign. That's an umbrella, an umbrella, <laughs> an umbrella. And mm-hmm. underneath it, one of those diagnoses are is um, fetal alcohol syndrome, which is which is one of the more severe diagnoses. So, what's the difference? Like, what so, would what, take it? Okay, so, so there are um, some of the diagnoses under that umbrella include alcohol related birth effects. Um, so you can have like, um, a lot of, um, kids, individuals that have, um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder can have cleft palate. That's actually a very common thing. They have, um, very, um, either like birth defects in their jaws or in their teeth so they have difficulties with that um they have gi troubles and, and gi like what we would think would be constipation is actually something like what actually one one of the diagnoses our son has was is megacolon which is where you know your your um intestines are not functioning properly so there's over 400 comorbid diagnoses that can go with any fasd um, so another example of an FASD is um, alcohol-related neurodevelopmental, neurodevelopmental disorder, um, which is where you have, you know, the alcohol impacts the brain, it, it affects the memory, it affects the working memory, it affects, you know, it crosses the limbic system, and... Um, you have um different characteristics from from that too another diagnosis is partial fetal alcohol syndrome so it it it's you know many of the characteristics but not 100% um, so there there are actually i believe there are five diag- different diagnoses under that umbrella so mm. one of the mission um one of the mission points of of our are the ministry we really consider that my husband and I started, which is FASD Hope, which is also a podcast, is to increase awareness about it and what exactly is fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. So I'm already increased. so so fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. A simple definition of it is um, any. It's a brain based disability. So it's brain; it's a brain-based diagnosis, which causes whole-body effects, and it's a lifelong disability. Um, one of the misconceptions is that people that have an FASD have low IQs. That's actually most of them. I, I believe I want to say it's it's over seventy percent have um, an average IQ. You know, um, so but where we find the developmental delays, it's um, where we find the developmental delays are in areas of things like executive functioning. So being able to carry out tasks. So if you tell, you know, someone, okay, I'm going to give you like a three-step command or something, somebody that has an FASD may only be able to remember the first step or the first and the last step. That's an example of executive functioning. Same thing um, with another big difference with, any, anyone that has an FASD is there's usually, um, a primary characteristic is there is a gap between their chronological age. So how old they really are versus their developmental age, which is, you know, across the different domains of functioning, how old they're functioning at. Um, so FASD, just a a, a few quick facts and you can find more information on our FASD hope website. And I'm also going to give you both some um, information so you can, you know, list with this episode. Um, but right. FASD is the number one cause of developmental disabilities in the Western world in us and Canada. It's the number see, one. Crazy. A because recent- People write it off because they only think of the extreme yes.
0: version of yeah. it. And so they don't, con- they, unless they see the, Body yeah. and and just stuff, they just think oh it can't be and that
1: they also think that it's only limited to the adoption foster community. It is prevalent, very more prevalent, especially for example in foster and in, in the United States foster communities. Research has shown that seventy to seventy five percent of kids in foster care, kids through teens, have a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Wow, seventy to seventy five percent. So that right there shows how much of a crisis this is. And, um, the other, so another, uh, recent study done in university of North Carolina, Chapel Hill by Dr. Philip May. He did, um, it was in 2018. Uh, it was a cross the United States kind of study. Um, he, um, researched and found that, approximately, actually it was, this is a conservative estimate, but one in 20 first graders have an FASD. And the other thing that is really, people are really surprised at, but if you think about it, it makes sense. Um, one of the, the highest population that FASD is increasing in is college educated Caucasian women who are married and the reason behind that research has shown is because more pregnancies... Think about how many unplanned pregnancies there are in the United States. It's I believe it's about 50%, if that sounds about right. Um, and if we think about, for example, in the p- pandemic in these past, what, 10, 11 months um percentage of women reported drinking is up 41% than before. So if you're a woman and even if you're married or engaged and you, you know, you become pregnant but you don't realize you were pregnant until say 8 weeks and maybe you had a glass of wine here or you had a couple of glasses there or something that alcohol still impacts that unborn child so it's not limited alcohol fasd fetal alcohol spectrum disorder affects any demographic any culture any population any age it it does not discriminate so that's why it is the most undiagnosed misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed of the developmental disabilities that are out there. Which
0: was your story with your son. Yes. Because you guys went through the he ringer trying acquired
1: to... acquired so many diagnoses, you know, and and um, when we adopted him, he was two and a half weeks old. We, we adopted him um, through domestic adoption. We were told by the agency that um, he was considered a special needs adoption because he had medical issues, which we later learned... 15 years later, that they were due from maternal drinking, from prenatal alcohol exposure. So, um, we, we brought him home. We were just, here's a funny story. Cause I know you guys like to share funny stories. Um, real mm-hmm. quick, we took him from, um, we took him home from the hospital. He had stayed in the NICU and then he'd stayed in the Peds ward and they loved him. Um, we were living mm-hmm. in Philly at the time and he was this tough little scrappy baby. They nicknamed him Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, you wow. know, we're actually still friends with, uh, the unit, um, that he was on, on Facebook. Like we still send him you know, Christmas cards and stuff anyways, my husband and I, we, you know, we're new parents. We are like nervous as anything. And we were getting ready to, um, to, to take him home. And the whole unit was there saying goodbye because, you know, he had been there two and a half weeks and, you know, the unit just really did an amazing do- job caring for him. So we're, I'm changing. It was like the hottest day of the year. My husband is like cooling off our, our, our wagon. We had a, um, like a SUV wagon at the time he's cooling it off. I'm inside. I'm like changing his diaper and everybody is standing behind me. And I, you know, I'm changing his diaper on his gurney and I didn't know the trick about you have to cover him up when you change the diaper. And Ooh. like the social. Oh my goodness, the social workers, the doctors, everybody were all standing. It was a row of professionals behind me. And oh. I am changing his diaper and he pees oh. and it shoots over my head and lands on the doctor's shoes. Oh. <laughs> and it's still like my son still jokes about that. He says it was his revenge because the doctor who it landed on did hit our son. Circumcision. Ah. so that is like one of the, one of our family <laughs> jokes is like that was our son's get back for and we called that's him Dr. Hilarious. Buzz his name his nickname was Dr. Buzz we were like and he always he, he'll still once in a while say that he's like yeah it was Dr. Buzz's revenge you know my revenge on Dr. Buzz but yeah so that's hilarious yeah, that is, yes. yeah. so for all you parents out there you know if you're you know Cover it up. <laughs> cover, it up. <laughs> cover, it up. <laughs> cover it up. Yep. Put a over but, it. Um. So you know, as he grew older, um, we continued to address the medical issues. We went to different specialists and different hospitals, children's hospitals where we were living at the time, and none of them picked up on the fetal alcohol. You know, um, mm-hmm. we 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 were just he was just getting treated for the symptoms he had, you know, and when he, I, at the time I I was, um, what were the primary ones? Okay. So when they're younger, when they're like infants and, and, you know, just before that toddler age, um, primary symptoms are sleep, sleep issues, poor sleep Mm -hmm. issues. And that carries throughout, actually that carries like throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, feeding, And, um, you know, either failure to thrive or poor feeding or not being able to suck and not having like a strong sucking reflex, um, reflexes, things like that. Um, some, uh, other physical issues, um, sometimes immune issues. He actually had, uh, was diagnosed with asthma before he was the age of one. It was back then it was considered a reactive airway, which was asthma, which again, we learned was part of his FASD. Um, so a a lot of those, so those symptoms and they kind of piled up. Yeah. So they piled up other things like GI, a lot of kids, um, especially infants and toddlers, they'll, you know, they'll either have like really, um, really firm, you know, BMs or, or the opposite, you know, again, because it's how the alcohol affects your body, not just your brain, but your body. So when we started noticing the developmental symptoms, he was about a little less than two years old and what really triggered it off. And, and this is kind of a good educational point for your listeners. Um, sensory, was Mm -hmm. triggered, was a huge trigger. He was starting to become um, sensory avoiding in things like um, loud noises, bright lights, things like that. Um, And then he would seek things. He was a sensory seeker. So he was one of those two year olds that was running around the room, you know, or he wanted to, to put like bricks in his wagon and pull them you know, and those are seeking, you know, behaviors. So um, he had a combination of both. And a lot Mm -hmm. of parents that have kids that have an FASD, they report that, that their kids, you know, start to develop either sensory seeking or sensory avoiding or both. So that is um, one of the primary characteristics of having an FASD. So what the red flag for us was um, in our journey was when he was just before his second birthday, he started having night terrors, very, very, bad night terrors now if you know child development night terrors do happen but they usually don't happen until about the age of like four five six that like late preschool early elementary they don't develop when they're under two So that was a huge red flag for us. Um, and we were sent to a different, um, pediatric hospital because the other one had like a year long waiting list and, you know, we didn't want to wait that long. So we were sent to a different hospital and, um, for the, this, um, night terrors and, um, it's funny. Another humorous point is when you have a almost two-year-old and they send you for a sleep study, it's that's an oxymoron because there's no sleep and you don't learn anything. <laughs> I mean, they basically come in and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we didn't nothing, you know, unless there's apnea, you know, there's um usually there's really nothing to report. So he had the sleep study, um, and my husband and I went in. This was just before he was two. And this was when we were, we had a a verbal, you know, um, a doctor verbally said the words fetal alcohol. So, um, when we were in the results, uh, waiting for the results and, and I believe I was telling you this story. Um, we were in, it was a teaching hospital and the pediatric neurologist, um, who is supposed to be, you know, Uh, very, very well, you know, regarded, came into the room and he had a bunch of medical students and interns with him. And, uh, I, my son and my husband and I were sitting down and our son was on my lap. Um, and he was kind of facing, you know, the, the, the room. So, you know, everybody could see him and the doctor came in and the first thing he said before he even said hello was, and he did not say this to us. He pointed to our son and looked at all of the students and said, look at him. Look at that child. He has mild fetal alcohol effects. And first of all, as a parent advocate in the FASD community, you know, 16 and a half years later, there's no such thing as mild fetal alcohol effects. That term isn't even used anymore. Fetal alcohol exposure is fetal alcohol exposure. It's significant and, and it affects everybody differently. Um, so there's no such thing as mild. Um, and then secondly, he basically, Rude. you know, read a bunch of, you know, reasons why he was like, oh, because of da, 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 da. and my husband and I were in shell shock. We, this is the first we had heard about it. You know, there were things in um, our son's birth mother's history that were questionable that that we later, you know, again, when he re- finally received the diagnosis, you know, everybody connected all the dots. But at that point, this was the first anybody had said those words. So we, you know, we looked at him and we said, what do we do? And, and again, this, you know, I say this and this just, you know, so if you're listening, there's no cure for FASD. It's a lifelong disability what the doctor told us was we'll put him in early intervention and he will be fine. And early intervention helps. It helps a lot, but it's not a cure. You know, and that's mm-hmm. another thing I really want to communicate to parents out there, whether you're foster yeah. parents, adoptive parents, birth parents, biological parents, kinship, there's no cure. Early intervention and the earlier re- you receive an official diagnosis, the better are, you know, the circumstances, because you can accommodate more, you can meet those child's needs more. But, um, you know, that's basically what he said. He left the room and he did not write those words down. And that's why it took us, you know, almost 13 years after that moment to finally receive an FASD diagnosis, because as he grew older, excuse me, as he grew older, the diagnoses piled up we call them the abc alphabet soup oh. of acronyms of diagnoses. So he started, you know, with uh sensory processing disorder and then attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and then anxiety disorder, visual processing disorder, auditory processing disorder, learning disorder, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, all those diagnoses and then other medical diagnoses too you know, he was allergic to mosquito bites. He had, you know, uh, over, he developed cellulitis very easily. Again, all of these things, I, I, if I did a diagram, it would easily be over 25 diagnoses, which we later, once we got the diagnosis, it tied into everything. It was the cause.
0: Would people relate adoption to it at all like just the trauma of adoption or was that 100%. like never been
1: um you know people uh, different doctors and different teachers would would talk about that but again it really because they downplayed it so much because number one you know he was a domestic adoption and we adopted even though he was considered special needs because of his medical issues people really brushed th- those things off you know because um, yeah you know and they still do exactly because you know we didn't adopt him from foster care um, he wasn't an international adoption which you know um, people there is yes there's a very high prevalence of, of FASD especially in certain countries but again, Again, it's not limited to just those things. So we would just get... I experienced that trying to educate
0: people just about, even if I don't know about alcohol, just like, okay, well, they're adopted. That's a trauma. And we don't know what went on in their mom's womb.
1: people will say,
0: well, they didn't see anything.
1: Yeah, and here's the, the thing. Yes. Yeah, so so a trauma therapist actually who was on my show explained this really well. And, and, and this is a really good point. I'm glad you guys are bringing this up. So if you think about trauma, trauma is from lived experience. It's from either a traumatic experience or lived experience or whatnot. Fetal yeah. alcohol spectrum disorder, fetal alcohol exposure is prenatal trauma? It's brain right. damage or a brain injury that happened prior to birth. So if you think about it in that respect, and you add the lived experience trauma, you've got trauma squared. You've got trauma before you. It, so you've got it, it, it's. It's really just like this perfect storm of trauma, you know, and I've, I've interviewed, um, Mike and Kristen Berry, who were amazing. And, and, you know, other people who have explained to me how having that alcohol exposure just magnifies things like, you know, reactive detachment, uh, attachment disorder, Mm -hmm. things like trauma, things like connection, things like attachment. Um, and, and another misconception too, and this was something that we kind of came up against was people think that, um illegal drugs, you know, crystal meth, cocaine, marijuana, any any you know, opioids, people think that those have more damage to an unborn child than alcohol and it's exactly the opposite. Out of all of the substances, the, all of those harmful substances, alcohol does the most damage. So, and again, well. but if we're talking about this you know, how many people out there know this? Very few. I mean, because it took us to, it took us 15 years to get a diagnosis. And once we got that diagnosis, we were able to get, you know, training, we were able to get educated. We were able to, it it changed how we parented because we realized, okay, he has a brain-based disability and it affects all of these different you know systems in his body, and it affects all of these different domains of his functioning. And when you learn about FASD like that, so fast forward through his, you know, we we you know he went through different schools. Again, because of the nature of um, the brain injury of FASD, um, there he would be able to get understand something one day, but then he couldn't do it the other day, and that's because of the inconsistent. Um, work you know working memory, the poor working memory, so some days his brain was able to send that information back to long term, but often more often than not, it was not, so that is something that people that have an FASD. Often, you know, that's one of the primary characteristics is poor working memory. So people really yeah. so if you think about that, and if you think about you're a kid or or a teenager and people are yelling at you, well, you knew this yesterday, why didn't you know this today? Mm-hmm. Then you start getting into the secondary characteristics, which are things like, you know, mental health illnesses, things like, you know, um, you know, what we consider to be acting out, things like, you know, quote, and I'm using air quotes, bad grades, things like that. All of those things that the expectations we have that we think, oh, well, they just won't do something. It's not that they won't, they can't. And when people, when, again, when you realize that about fetal alcohol exposure, then it changes a hundred percent, not only the way you parent, But the way you interact, you know, with that child and the way you make accommodations for that child or that teen or that young adult, because again, it's a lifelong disability. So fast forward, um, we began homeschooling even before we had an official diagnosis because our son was starting to get more diagnoses. Um, He was starting to self-harm. He was starting to have what we thought was depression, but was actually bipolar disorder, which... I believe the percentage is about 90% or so of individuals that have an FASD also yeah, have no. an accompanying, no. have an accompanying mental health oh, diagnosis. Okay. I, I, was, I thought you were saying 90% are, have bipolar No, not disorder. bipolar, but a, me, a mental... So that could be anxiety, that could be bipolar, that could be depression, okay. that could be... so. But they have an accompanying <laughs> uh-huh. mental health diagnosis. And again, think about the brain, because this is common actually in kids and teens that have ADHD. This is common right. in kids and teens that have autism spectrum disorder. Because the right. brain was affected, it mm-hmm. has difficulty in regulating. So, um, so what happened with our son was what we thought was depression was actually bipolar. And when he received his diagnosis was actually when he was hospitalized, he was in a pediatric psychiatric Mm -hmm. hospital for, um, for his bipolar disorder. And we we we're so thankful. We thank God that, um, and this was after we moved to North Carolina. So this was, um, about. Close to uh, close to four years ago, um, we received the diagnosis. He w- we were working with um, an F- a wonderful FASD consultant. Um, we found an FASD parent support group, and we were working with a psychiatrist who did work with um, you know adolescents at the time who were exposed to alcohol and drugs. And she said, "Yes, I do believe that he has an FASD." Um, he was hospitalized because he had become unstable. We were worried about him hurting himself significantly. And during that hospitalization, which broke me, it broke me as a mom, like shattered me. No, no mom wants that for their kid. Um, and also at that time we had our daughter, we, we had adopted our daughter who is typically developing, Um, her adoption story is much different. I can share her story in in a few minutes, but, um, so we had, she was two at the time. So, you know, we had this wild ride of, you know, oh my goodness, we're, you know, trying to get a diagnosis for our kid and, and we have a typically developing toddler and whatnot. So finally, um, when, you know, our son was ready to be discharged, the doctor called and, and the, he actually saw the, the head, the, the chief medical doctor of the um, pediatric psychiatric hospital. And he said, um, yes, he has bipolar disorder. This is what we're going to do to stabilize him, blah, 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 blah. And they read me the list of diagnoses and he had an FASD. They documented. He actually had fetal alcohol syndrome. He actually had Enough of the characteristics and 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 the and what the criteria yeah. was. So he was diagnosed wow. with fetal alcohol syndrome, and once we got that diagnosis, it was it was literally a light bulb that we were able to say, okay this is the training that we need to do. This is, you know, this is the education we need to do. These are, okay. These are the medications that, you know, are, are helpful. These are the medications that we have to avoid. Um, we started learning how to better accommodate our lives for our son. Um, and in that, um, in that, in that like darkest moment, I think was when, um, FASD hope was born because my husband and I realized that for us learning about everything, um, and it, it very hard journey, very difficult journey, um, but a very beautiful journey. We would not, my husband and I would not want to be parents to anyone else, but our son or our daughter, you know, um, we learned that this is something that happened to our son before he was born. And just like, you know, any other child that has any other type of diagnosis whether it be physical whether it be you know uh, visual auditory you have to make accommodations and that yeah. really was the turning point for us so then that's when the spark started and that's when the advocacy started and that's when we're like okay we need to learn as much as we can we need to you know and it took a long time and it was a lot of trial and error But, um, really, you know, we, we started podcasting. Um, I was um, volunteering for a nonprofit. I was podcasting. And then, um, over the summer, you know, I had become ill with, I had some, um, autoimmune issues and I'd become ill. And I just, I realized that I wanted to do, I was helping a couple of other nonprofits too. Um, and you know, I kind of just stepped back and realized that I really need to to speak about this. We really needed a, a, a voice about FASD. Yeah. Um, and then um, in the fall of last fall, we, we launched FASD hope as a um, not only a podcast, a weekly podcast about FASD, but also, you know, we have a web website r- resource. Um, you know, we, we were on social media. We um, every week, every week, you know, I don't want to start crying, but every week I get emails from parents that say, you know, Thank you so much. You you, you know, I, I realize That's I'm true. not alone. You know, um, it goes a long, long way. Yeah, because you feel alone.
0: especially. Mm-hmm. And I don't think. I mean, uh, obviously, we don't have the same situations, but I think probably most adopted parents face that moment where you just feel helpless to help your child. Yep.
1: Yeah,
0: it's the worst feeling in the world, and, and, it's and unfortunately,
1: it's many times, like I can't help yeah. them. Yeah.
0: Who can. It's many times. So to know that other people have felt that, and especially if you get some answers,
1: that that yeah, that is needed. I have to say that you know besides our faith, we're very rooted in our faith. And besides, um, just, you know, my husband and I, I, cause a couple of times this broke us, you know, like, you know, we, because many marriages are, this is such a huge strain, especially when you have those secondary characteristics in your child's in crisis and whatnot. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm so thankful to God that it brought us closer together. Um, you know, when you have your faith, when, when you have support, and not only support in your family, but support in other people, I can honestly say that the people who get us the most are other parents of kids that have an FASD. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. they do yeah. because they know the journey and they know the ridiculous things like you say in, in a support group that like you'd never utter those words in your life like, oh, yeah, you know, my my fridge is locked or my, you know, uh, my this is locked or there are, you know, hide the knives or, you know, stuff like that that mm-hmm. you say that, you know, people, you know, would be like, what? You know, but things that you say that, OK, th- these are accommodations. These are things that you have to do, you know. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, hearing you know other people just being there even though our journeys may be different you know i never had to lock my fridge but yes i had to do something else you know so it, it's it's different for everybody however it's the same road and again when you see a kid a teen a young adult that has an fasd and when you look at them as okay they have this brain based diagnosis number 1 number 2 um, we have to meet them where they're at. We can't try right. to put them into these expectation holes that, you know, schools, that communities, that, you know, families, you know, I, I can say that, you know, and I'm sad to say this, but, you know, I do have family relatives that, that still don't get it. You know, they're still like, okay, well, just, you know, just be more disciplined with him. You know, no, it's not that it's, it's a brain-based diagnosis. So um that and then definitely having a sense of humor, honestly. You know, (laughs) you you have to because sometimes I mean without a sense of humor. You do, you do. Um, so that's, like I said, you know, we, we have, um, my husband and I consider ourselves to be like, you know, we live out in the country. So I use this analogy, but we're like that, you know, post in the road that has all the arrows and points you to different places, you know, that's how we liken ourselves to be, um, is, is just, you know, we're on the road, the road doesn't end, but, you know, we can point you hopefully in the directions that, you know, if you're looking for a diagnosis, Okay. These are diagnostic clinics, you know. Are you looking for a support group? Okay. This way to support groups, that kind of thing, you know? And and again, I appreciate I I thank you for saying an expert, but I'm I'm not an expert. I just have (laughs) I didn't read an official, I I know, I appreciate it. But I I just
2: I have lived experience,
1: you know, and honestly for most parents lived experience, honestly is is more valuable for many parents. Um It's more valuable than we realize. Yeah,
0: yeah, I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, as a therapist, you know, we have our own little standards of what we're supposed to share with people and stuff. And I have a hard time with it sometimes, especially when it comes to adoptive families, because I'm like, I just feel like it's more helpful if people know that I am one, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, that's just something that I share with people because, you know, you can tell somebody all day, like, I understand, but it's different if you're like, no, really. Mm -hmm. I I understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have also done this, you know, and I've lived this too. So, yeah, I think absolutely connecting with people who have that experience is probably the best thing you can do for yourself.
1: Yeah. And the the best you know, uh, how we found out about the doctor and how we found out about this and that were from other parents, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so a lot of the best advice that we had, you know, received that help us to learn more and to become more educated were from other parents that were on the same road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, uh, now, I mean, some hopeful things. Um, I, 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 have presented and I I work um, I I love. There's an organization called Proof Alliance. It's one of the top FASD nonprofits in the United States. Um, this year, you know, in the, in light of COVID, you know, a, a silver lining that happened. Um, they're based out of Minnesota where there's a very strong prevalence of FFA, FASD. Some states mm-hmm. there's very like Alaska has a very Alaska high prevalence. yeah, there there are some states that have a much higher prevalence. Um, but again yes. it, it it's across any state. Um, so it's cold. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> yeah. I but um well there's other things to do. You know, but
0: uh, <laughs> my husband's from Wisconsin. And you know, yeah. if you drive around Wisconsin, yeah. like there's no beer, yeah, advertising exactly. and stuff, exactly because people exactly. in the uh-huh. winter months mm-hmm. like, sit at home, they watch football yep. and they drink, drink alcohol. like that. Yeah, yep. cultural, like it's a cultural thing. Yep. So yeah. I'm being funny, but no, I'm no, also no, no, I totally it. get it. It's like a cultural experience.
1: It is. It, well, and it's so ingrained. I mean, think about yeah. mommy culture you know, think about, oh, I'm just going to have a glass of wine, yeah. you know, and, and then, but that mommy doesn't realize she's, she's pregnant, you know, it, it, it's yeah. just ingrained in our culture. Um, but Sorry, so, you so know. no, that's okay. So proof Alliance actually, um, they lobbied and worked tirelessly for years on this legislation. So this is like hopeful legislation. I would love to see this legislation in every state in our country. So they, um, helped, they lobbied, there's uh, two laws that were passed this year in August of 2020. So the first law is that every child, teen, youth that's in foster care in the state of Minnesota must get screened for an FASD. That is huge. That is huge. Because then when it's identified, not only screen for the FASD, but then they, you know, when it, it's an extensive screening, it's not just, oh, you have it, you don't. It's, you know, there there's, you're testing that child or that youth across different domains. There's, you know, you're, 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 looking at a lot of different things. So you'll have a better idea, you know, the the foster parent, you know, their caregiver will have a better idea of exactly what's going on, not just that it's, a you know, that they have an FASD, but that, you know, okay, these are the areas of needs, these are the areas where support's needed. So that's the first step. The second legislation that passed, which I think is equally important, is that every parent who is in The maps class, we know we you know that thirty hour class that we all have to take for for you know um, for foster adoption must get training in FASD, Mm -hmm. so that the the caregivers and the parents can know okay this is what we need to do this you know grounding them because they lost their coat four times is not going to work or because they lost their phone or because they forgot to bring their books home no you make accommodations. So those are two huge legislation, you know, um, acts that were passed in Minnesota. So if we could get those in every state, I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just talking about foster care and foster adoption. There is so much more. Um, Pre-COVID, there was national legislation on the floor for FASD research and support. Unfortunately, when COVID hit, I don't know what happened to it. That's one of the things I'd love to find out, um, you know, because there does there needs to be just in the same way, like 10 years ago, autism, you know, was the big buzzword and, and the big the legislation and celebrities and everything that needs to happen now for FASD that needs to happen. It's it's an epidemic. Mm-hmm. It's an epidemic within this pandemic. Um, and and it's not going to go away. And and if the you know right. the research from what's happening in the epi- uh, in this pandemic, you know, it, there's going to be more kids out there with it because if more people are drinking as a, as a result of COVID, you know, and right. more unplanned pregnancies happen, it's it's it needs to be addressed. Yeah. So,
0: um, what was I thinking? Tell everybody a little bit about. I know you kind of touched on it, but once you got the diagnosis, and I'm sure your son was aware of the diagnosis, mm-hmm. yep, we told him. What are some of the practical changes that happened, and
1: like, where is he now? What does life look like? For so, him? and that's another reason why we wanted to start FASD Hope because even though there's still we still have hard days, you know, he still has hard days. There's hope when we made accommodations, especially and got support. Um, you know, and unfortunately the support was not from the people who we were supposed to get support from. It was support that, you know, people who, you know, just out of the kindness of their heart, just out of the grace of God gave us the support. So um we, you know, we adjusted his, you know, homeschooling, you know, to, to just to better meet his needs. So like, for example, because of his sleep issues, which continue, you know, he still has, you know, some days where he gets a decent night's sleep and some days he he doesn't. And again, that's because of the brain injury from, from the alcohol exposure. So we would adjust our homeschooling schedule, you know, some, some days we wouldn't start homeschooling until like noon, you know, and then some days we, we could start it in the morning. So that's an example. Um, another thing we did, which is kind of getting growing, um, in, in the disability community, um, but in the FASD community and developmental disability community, this is growing. Um, we, we lit, we left our, lovely house in the suburbs of Raleigh. Um uh it'll be 3 years ago and uh we moved we live out in the middle of the farm country um about 30 minutes south of Raleigh um we have we call it the funky farmhouse we have a little under 4 acres we don't have any animals we just have blueberries <laughs> we have a lot of blueberries which is really cool i feel like blueberries which we did um but we have like it's considered a hobby farm um it used to be part of a bigger farm but it was kind of you know so our property is a little, a little under 4 acres we have a couple of workshops and uh, one of which is detached and one of which we're actually going to convert into a tiny house for our son uh, when he is ready for it. Right now he's he's a little he's 18 and a half, you know. Um, he he lives in, he has a finished, he lives in basically what the previous owners used as an in-law suite is, is his, we call it his pad. And, uh, you know, he's got the the microwave in there and the fridge in there and he's got his, you know, it, it's great. And, um, that's his place. But if he needs mom and dad, if he needs us, you know, if he wants to interact, if he, you know, he loves my home cooking, you know, um, we're here, you know, and it gives him a sense of, and this is a huge buzzword interdependence. So Mm. he's got independence, but we're here as the safety net if he needs it. And that's why we bought this property because we plan on doing that to, to a tiny house. And here's something funny. So our daughter is five and a half and she is, she is like, we call her bossy pants, you know, and I'm glad she doesn't listen to podcasts because she, she's, she's amazing. And she, we also adopted her. Her adoption was much different. Um, We actually adopted her her birth mom was our son's babysitter when we were living in Philly. So we knew she's, our daughter's typically developing. She does have, um, she does have childhood absence epilepsy. She, she does get petite mal seizures. Um, So we do homeschool her for different reasons. Um, However, she, she is a much different, you know, it's a much different story with her. She is typically developing. And um, so she knows that her big brother who is, 13 years older than her, which again, you know, we crazy ride that we're on, but Mm -hmm. wouldn't change it for the world. Um, she knows that he's getting his tiny house, you know, in the next year or two. So she put in her order this summer for her tiny house and she's like, mom, I know that, you know, I know that Nick is getting his tiny house in a year or two. I want to tell you where I want my house.
2: (laughs) And I was just
1: like, girl, you know how to. Right. I was like, you know. And, and yeah, so well, I told my yeah. husband, I was like, you know, we'll probably be in here in the big house and our two kids will have their own houses and, and that's how it'll be mm-hmm. out here. But it's actually really cool because where we live, we, we live around a lot of farmers and they do that for their families. A lot of these yeah. farmers will like take a few acres and section off and give mm-hmm. it to their kids. And it's actually a really common practice out here in, in, in rural areas. So, and our neighbors are so wonderful. They know about our son they know about our family, and they embrace us. I mean, so, you know, um, moving out here was just such an example of an accommodation that we made. And for us, honestly, moving from the suburbs to, to rural farm country was more of a shock and adjustment than, like, dealing with COVID because we only go into town once a week to pick up groceries curbside. You know, we are on a first name basis with our Amazon guy, you know, we're, so the stuff that people are doing now, we're like, yeah, we started doing that three years ago. Cause we live, you know, 30 <laughs> minutes from the store. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's our journey. And and like I said, we started FASD Hope. We're we are a podcast. We're also um online, FASDHope.com. Um, again, we're we're not like the professional people, but we'll point you in the direction. And and we just want to let people know that they're they're not alone. Yeah, and you don't have to be professional for people to
2: have get meaning from you. And thank you. I you appreciate know. that. Yeah, and I think you're
0: more professional than a lot of professionals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hey, I prayer. want to be on your show again. I, I'm having a good time. Yeah, uh, on a fr- this is a Friday night, and like I'm like, this is like self-care for we're me. We're 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 here. Here. <laughs> I, we love it, too. Yeah, yeah, we do. We it, knew right? it to help, but it, really it it's is. I call podcasting <laughs> self-care. I seriously do, because I talk to grown ups <laughs> about stuff that's interesting, <laughs> and I don't have kids coming in here screaming. I'm like, yeah, bring it on.
0: First, just threw a tantrum because we had to kick him out. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's three. A little tantrum. So- <laughs> it's okay. He's
2: a three. Yeah, <laughs> he's a three right now. So right before he came in. Mm-hmm. Oh man.
0: What mm-hmm. was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say. So if somebody is listening to this okay. and the light bulbs are going off, yes. like, oh my, this maybe is what's going on with my child or or a child that I know. Yes. What should they do first? So
1: what I told you in our, our pre-podcast um, conversation a few days ago, the one of the books that we highly recommend that we read, and it's on our reading list on on our website, it's a book called Trying Differently Rather Than Harder. Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders, and it's by Diane Malbin, and I'll give you all that information. You can buy it on Amazon. It's like, I think, around 20 bucks, and for all of you in the trenches, in those really dark trenches, I I mean, I read it like when, you know, our son was in crisis. I read it, Mm. and I had like a million sticky notes in it, and I highlighted it, and I bought a copy for my husband, and, you know, we would bring it to the doctor's office. That book explains so much about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the books. The other thing I would recommend is just, um, you know, depending on where you're at, find out if there is an FASD clinic near you. Find out if there are support groups near you. Just, just start educating yourself and start connecting yourself with other people. I think that's the best advice I could give. What if you're not sure? So if you're, you're not a bad sure, bad so here's the thing. Like my son saw a number of developmental pediatricians. He saw a number of neurologists. Nobody gave him the diagnosis. You have to mm-hmm. see somebody who knows FASD. So if you're okay. not sure, if you're not sure, go to a place that you know, knows about FASD and, 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 you know, have them do the evaluation. It's across several domains. It's not just one test. you know, and, and find somebody and talk to them and they can give you a better idea on the steps you need to take. And again, it's different for everybody. You know, how my son was affected is much different than, than how, you know, some of his friends are affected. Proof Alliance, who I was talking about before, they're a wonderful nonprofit. I'll give you the information. You know, they have, um, parent support groups online. They have a wonderful young adult teen support group for teens and young adults living with an FASD. It's called Baxter Support Group. It's an online support group. My son actually participates in it. It's amazing. So there are organizations out there. So I would say if you suspect it, don't wait because you're 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 actually the longer you wait and the more secondary and tertiary characteristics develop as a result of not getting this addressed it's not going to get better so do something and if you don't know where to go visit our website I I have people it's such a blessing I have people emailing me every week just saying Thank you, or saying, you know, can you point me in the direction of the nearest, you know, whatever? Right. I am happy to do that. I've gotten, you know, in the middle of the night emails, just people saying mm-hmm. that. And and I am that's where I feel like I know that God wants us, you know, where we're at. Because well, I will be
0: pointing <laughs> people. Yes. And,
1: and 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 again, yeah, just educate yourself, you know, educate mm-hmm. yourself, make a connection. And and just find out what steps you need to take. That's probably the best yeah. advice I can give you.
0: I think it's a great advice.
2: Yeah, ignorance is definitely not bliss in the foster no.
1: no, and and again, yeah, not, only, is <laughs> not, in this not only ignorance, not only are you not only are you coping with the lived experience trauma of adoption, of foster, mm-hmm. of everything, but you also need to cope with the prenatal trauma which whatever it is whatever substance it is so yeah. if you can address both of those which many of us have and many of us are then mm-hmm. you know there's hope and 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 that's the biggest thing i i just have to say and like i said i've sp- i've spoken with mike and kristen berry i've spoken with doctors i've spoken with other people you know they all give the same advice you know connect, find out what's going on, research, educate yourself and support your child, you know, or support your teen or adult. The other thing I can tell you, um, and this is again, lived experience is that it does not get easier as they get older. Okay. So that's a big fallacy, not just with FASD, but with adoption too. You know, there's more expectations when you get older. And so many of our kids, They can't, they can't cope with it. Their brains are struggling with it, whether it be from the lived experience trauma or the prenatal, you know, trauma from substance. You have to meet them where they're at. So if you can, you know, if you can deal with that and if you can learn about that and if you can accommodate that, then that is a huge part of the battle.
0: Hmm. Amen, sister. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my
2: goodness. (laughs) that you've just been obedient and where God has called you because um, it's like kind of scary to put yourself yeah, out there it's vulnerable. That, you know, it is yeah you're, you feel vulnerable you we're not experts oh, you right. know what I mean? So you know you just never know but God is so faithful to show Amen. us throughout like, how we can make an impact and um yeah same thing here we we started it because we were struggling exactly Kind of just coming out enough
0: to breathe, Mm -hmm. you
2: know, to be able to do something and be able to think about it.
1: And we were just like, okay, and then we did it. What would have helped us? What you guys are doing and what you know, my husband and I are doing, are the podcasts we wish we had five, ten years ago. Yeah, I can say that. I can say that. So, so that's why you know, if we didn't have what we're doing now, then somebody else at least has that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and we've never like really cared about followers or whatever, no, no. or whatever.
2: But like when we check and we see people are listening consistently yes. and all over the world, all over our country. Isn't I'm that like, awesome? What? I know. Yeah.
1: I know. I uh, lo- that, that's that what is- God is doing. We're not doing mm-hmm. it. Like, yes. We're just recording and, and <laughs> putting it out there. That's you know? what I say. Yep, that's what I say. I'm just the mom with the mic. Yeah. We're just he, he, you know, the Lord like, is doing all the work. I'm, I'm, right? I'm, yeah. I'm just the mom with the mic you know, God's doing the work. So I think what you both are doing is tremendous. And I am thankful for that because there needs to be more real voices out there, you know, and, and you both are doing that. So, I am happy. And I want you on my podcast well, because well, you guys, <laughs> never been my we ever. will have another Friday night podcast party. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> and I'll bring the snacks this time. Sorry. I told you I'm well, pregnant. Well, I love that. No, I love I'm that. Pregnant to have have know. I don't know what her snacks Jesus.
2: I don't have one. I don't <laughs> need <mean, laughs> one. I want some
0: snacks. Well, you have to tell us what you want us to talk about because otherwise rabbit trails happen. Oh, I will. I will. Yeah. We'll, we'll have We'll have a good
2: time.
1: I'll okay. yes. thank
2: you so much for reaching out and, oh, and coming you. on and sharing yeah. i i feel like a broken record at the end of our podcast but you do I, say this every time
1: i just learned so much true. I learned so much it's true. <laughs> that's another thing i love about podcasting that's another thing i love about podcasting is you learn so much from every guest yeah seriously it's it's wonderful. No yeah. matter
2: like if they're an expert in something or just telling their story yeah. or you yeah. know just it's always encouraging and yes. And I know that it will bless other people. So yeah.
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm so glad to meet you guys. And and I'm so, and I'm I know that we will be in touch. If you like today's
2: episode or any of our episodes Really appreciate a kind review of on Echo Podcast or just to share with your friends.